Please remain standing for the reading of the scripture. I'll be reading out of my favorite book of the Bible, the 10th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. The student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Uh, As many of you may know, David is out this week with his wife, Pam. They're in Ireland, I think, studying about something biblical. Um, (laughs) I can't remember. Um, But uh, I wanted to continue our kind of tradition of talking about David behind his back. And as I like to say, good good mouthing our pastor. Um, It's been... uh, I've sat where y'all sat most of my lives, and it's been really interesting for the last year and a half uh, to be on this side of the the pulpit. But um, it's it's a hard thing to do, uh, being a pastor. It it wears on you a lot. We're pouring out a lot. We're we're caring for people through highs and lows and sometimes without much break in between. And um, we have a very rare gift in David. Um, it's not something growing up in the church all my life. It's not something I was really aware of until I went away to school. Uh, our congregation is very special. Our church is very special. Our staff is very unique. Uh, we have the gift of a very wonderful church, um, starting with David and going all the way through the congregation. So, um, I just want to highlight that when he's gone, cause it's kind of hard to do that when he's here. But, um, from my time away and studying and, working at other churches and with other church leaders, uh, we have a real blessing in David. So um, just wanted to start there. Um, interestingly enough, along that same lines, the, the, the sermon topic this morning is like father, like son, following the rabbi. Uh, and one of the ways we do that is by honoring those that go before us and that lead us. Um, so that I think that kind of fits in pretty well. Um, but... I wanted to talk to, uh, to y'all about, about this frustration and difficulty of following the rabbi because I find it not to be an easy thing at all. And I know in my personal life and my faith journey, I have a lot of times where I have the desire to grow in my faith and I have the will to grow in my faith, but I don't really have the know-how to do that. Have, have any of y'all experienced that same reality? Like four of y'all. Um, <laughs> Maybe y'all should be up here, and I should be down there. Um, but as I started to uh, think about the passage for this morning, I, I thought about how uh, uniquely difficult it is at times to, to really do that, to really follow God in the context of our lives. Uh, this past summer, I had the unique pleasure of being able to go to Israel on a study tour with Scott Hare, and you adopt this kind of first century follow the rabbi mentality where you do what he does and you go where he goes and he goes he goes on these horrible hikes through through the desert basically and uh and it's not it's not fun at all but you learn really quickly that following the rabbi in this context means basically looking at the feet of the person before you and so you're kind of looking at knees down and that's about all you're doing in the midst of the hike and you learn all these really interesting lessons, like if you stop to gaze off somewhere else, 
uh, and you lose your focus on the person behind you, they might leave you. You might not know how to go. You might take the wrong path, uh, et cetera, et cetera, you know, which leads to bad things like you get lost. And then the people behind you get lost as well because they're following you, um, which brings up a whole nother idea of, you know, who we follow leads to where we go and who we become and not only who we become, but the people we follow which is a little frightening for us in terms of peers. It's even more frightening when we're in positions of authority or um, I think the, the scariest thing in that is thinking about uh, our kids. You know, the things that we do are, are, you know, kids are really perceptive. And I was at a friend's house the other day and uh, her, her husband had slipped and, and said a bad word and the, the two-year-old had adopted it as his own. Um, but there's this reality of, of kind of who we're following determines where we go and who we become, uh, but also then who the people behind us become. And so with this high call and this high importance of who who we're going to become and who we're going to follow and this, you know, follow the rabbi, follow Jesus thing, I started to think more and more about this. And I I came to this great conclusion uh, this week that we're, we're not actually supposed to do what Jesus did. So, um, yeah, that was kind of how I thought about it, too. Like, um, but the more I thought about it, I, I thought about the, the particular things Jesus did. And I, I thought about, like, um, you know, you might be worried that your WWJD bracelet you had, like, 10 years ago is, is actually asking the wrong question. Or um, maybe you've been trying to do the wrong things all these years. And I, we're not going to throw it all out, but I just want to put some of that in context because... If I think of the particular things that Jesus did and just wrote, follow those in the same way that I just wrote, followed Scott Hare up that mountain, it's probably not going to work out for me um, because Scott Hare has a different call in his life than I do. And then what do I do in situations like this morning uh, when Scott Hare's not here or, or, or even more immediate for us, David's out of town. If he's the guy we're following now and he's not around, well, what are we going to do? Um, and isn't this the question that we ask um, because our Lord and Savior actually left? Um, so he's not there like he was with the disciples and they could just take the next step or like Scott Hare was with me this summer in the desert. And I can just look at his feet and just do the next thing that he did. Well, in the context of our sermon series, we've been talking about identity, which we've quickly summed up as who God is and, and, and who we are. And we've talked a lot about God as loving father and us as beloved sons and daughters of, of, of his. And uh, this morning, I want to take that next step and, and think about that, that second part of who we are, uh, because I think it's necessary for us to understand more of who we are in order to actually follow Jesus the way he wants us to follow him. Let me, let me say that in another way. God made each one of us on purpose, very purposeful, very uniquely, very fine-tuned. He knit us together in, his mother's, in our mother's wombs. He knows the hairs on our head. If you think about how God created the heavens and the earth and how intentional it was, think of the way that he talks about that in Job laying the foundations of the earth. Think about how he designs things things so intricately. Look at the, the enormous scale of the universe and then the, and then the finite scale of like molecular biology. 
And look at how all these things go towards a purpose in things. Well, I want to suggest this morning that each one of us were made on purpose for a purpose. God says it is that we are God's workmanship, his handiwork, fashioned and formed intentionally. And, And he made us for specific things to do, which he prepared in advance. These specific things he's prepared for us. And before that is the well-known passage where he talks about, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, so that no man might boast. So he's putting the context of good works in the context of you can't earn it. But, but then he goes on to say, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So there's actually this reality that I want to highlight where God has created us on purpose for specific things to do, not to justify ourselves, because he took care of that on the cross, but to invite us into his work. And I'd offer that this is actually one of the best gifts that God gives us. He invites us into his work. Now, now think about uh, the garden and the reality of how God created us to live uh, before the fall. Adam and Eve have tasks to do. They're not just sitting around hanging out with God. And, and they do do that. So we see where it talks about Adam walking with God in the cool of the evening. But God calls them to tend to the garden, to be fruitful and multiply, to name the animals. And, and if, ever, if anybody's been on a long extended time off or if you have kids, you see this every summer. There's this reality where you just get bored without things to do. And I think part of reclaiming this reality of following the, the rabbi or following Jesus is not only understanding who we are, but understanding that the things we're called to do are not... A, a, not a result of the fall. They're not the toil that Jesus writes about, that Scripture writes about in, in Genesis 3. It's actually the gift of work. Uh, like, like I like to highlight the reality that Jesus says, uh, my, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. And um, let me apply that for what we're talking about. If, if, I, if I live out of who I am in the context of how God's created me, my gifts, the things that I love to do, how I'm wired in a sense then the things I do flow from that, and they flow pretty easily, and they feel like that light and easy yoke and that light burden. There's this reality that when I'm living out of who God has created me to be, I can usually do these things, in a sense, all day long and usually get more energy from them. And not only that, but I'm blessed by the things and the people around me are blessed because I'm engaged heart, mind, and soul, and I'm usually gifted for what I'm doing. And so what does this look like? Well, in the same way we're not supposed to literally follow Jesus, I know I, I get nervous when I say that as well, but, but there's a reality where I think God wants us to live out that call of, you know, to love God, to love others. This is the you know, summary of the law and the prophets through the lens of the reality of who he's created us to be. Now, he doesn't leave us alone to figure that out. He gives us the Holy Spirit within us that leads us and prods us and pokes us and fills us with power. But there's also a reality where it's just... My living out and following Jesus is at times going to be different from those around me. I mean, even within the context of my job, I notice David is a very gifted teacher and studier. And he can spend five hours for the afternoon in the library deep in study and come out very energized. And if I did that, I'd have to get up and walk around every hour or two and maybe make a phone call and maybe go outside and get some fresh air. And it starts to drain me. But there's other things that I can do for long periods of time that David can't. So I think in the reality of following Jesus, it's more 
in the reality of doing what he did through the context of who he was in the same way that we're called to follow the commands in the context of who we are. So let me say that in another way. When, when Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing or say what I hear the Father saying, you see he's being led by the Father. But we know in specific that the Father doesn't say to us to do the exact same things. Like, for instance, I, I, I don't say, what would Jesus do? And I say, well, Jesus lived in Israel, so I'm, I don't move to Israel. But there is a reality of the things that God calls us to, like, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. As we said in the Shema, there's this reality that I can live that out, not only in the context of my locale, my neighborhood, but also in the context of who I am. So in the same way, I want to follow Jesus, I want to follow David as well. And, and be a good son to him and live out of that. But it's not going to look like me doing everything that Jesus does or that, or, or that David does or the same way that, that David would do it. But it's me living out those commands and those calls through the freedom of the love I've been given and who God has created me to be. So there's this reality that in living out the call and following the call of Jesus and God on our lives, we actually have to not only know know God and his love for us first, but then then know ourselves pretty well. Because my call is going to be pretty unique to who I am. Even look at the disciples, a small group of 12, 11 who made it past the resurrection, and they get different calls. Look at them comparing themselves to each other. What about him? You know, Jesus says, don't worry about him. I have this unique call for you. Look at how he calls Paul to the Gentiles and Peter to the Jews. See, he knit us together on purpose and, and with a plan in mind. And so the, the more that we know God's love for us and receive that love, and the more we know who we are and who God has created us to be, we can live more freely in that. Um, I, I, I always like those teachings where they talk about how we're not called to coach or parent everybody the same because so many people are different. Uh, I, I was reading a book the other day, and a fellow talked about how he had to tailor his punishments to his children uniquely because his son loved to spend time alone in his room and his daughter was very extroverted and loved being around people. So if he gave him the same punishment of going to this room, the son would think of it as a gift and the daughter would be horribly punished. And so there's this reality in the same way that our callings are uniquely tailored to who we are. So how do we discover that? How do we discover how we're living out in the context of our lives. Well, I think it starts a lot with first that receiving that love of God. It frees us, it releases us, it tells us who we are, and then there is that voice from heaven declaring over us, you are my beloved son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. But then also looking deep within ourselves, depending on community, on self-reflection, on looking at the things that we love to do. So I like to say, what are the things you stay up late doing? Or what are the things that give you more energy? What are the things that you're willing to do even when you're not asked to do them? And as we look at these things, we start to go, discover who we're made to be, who God has to designed us to be. And as we see this in the context of the body, I think we start living into this reality that Paul talked to us about in 1 Corinthians 12, where we see ourselves as the different body parts of the body of Christ, and we live out of that function. So if there's times when you're stressing and striving and straining to follow God in a situation, I don't think that's a bad heart at all. 
But I want to suggest this morning that that might not be your place. And yeah, there are going to be hard times. Jesus promised his followers that there would be persecutions and trials and struggles. And things won't always be easy. But I don't think he wants us to make them unnecessarily hard. So look for that light and easy yoke. That place that you love to serve that you flow out of naturally. And as scripture says, don't compare yourself to your neighbor. If I come to work and compare myself to the gifts of David every day, it's going to be a long, hard road for me. He's a very gifted man and gifted in ways that I'm not. But there's certain things that I can bring to the body that David doesn't. And when I live out of those ways, things start flowing a lot better. And it's a lot easier for me to live into that light and easy yoke. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we bless you for your intentional love for us in creation. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son as someone who knew who you were and knew who he was in you. Father, thank you for the journey of faith that you have us on in the context of community to help us live into this reality as beloved sons and daughters, but uniquely created for unique things. Father, we bless you this morning.